Hurry into Old Navy Saturday for 50% off all swimwear, $2 tanks for her, and free flip-flops when you spend $50 or more in-store. This Saturday only at Old Navy, valid 323. Limit five tanks. Select tanks and flip-flops only. Free gift in-stores only. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Who You Got. My name is Dayton Haman. Who You Got is a show about creating brackets for things that don't normally have brackets. Now, what is a bracket exactly, you may be asking? Well, a bracket, or tournament bracket, is a tree diagram representing a series of games played in a knockout tournament. Each episode, we create a bracket for a specific topic and determine the best of that topic through a series of debate matchups. Today, helping me fight our way through today's tournament is Jack Fenimore. Jack. Hello, my name is Jack Fenimore. I am a contributor for the video gaming section of Heavy.com. I also contribute to Urban Milwaukee, a local news publication, and I'm also a UW-Milwaukee graduate student. Yeah. Jack and I have uh, been friends for a couple years now. We've actually had some experience with uh, video games uh, together, uh, as a little hint to today's topic. And we actually coded a game together. Yeah, Uh, that was sweet. Yep. Using a program called Inform7. And that's exactly why I have Jack on today. We're going to be discussing uh, video games of some description. But before we get to those, there are a couple rules that we must follow as we make our way through the bracket today. Rule number one, there are five minutes allotted to each matchup. We're going to tighten things up a little bit. We're going to make those arguments nice and sharp and poignant, and we're going to make it happen. And at the end of those five minutes, we'll decide a winner based on the arguments, not on our own preferences. So, Jack, we might have to make some concessions here, but I have firm confidence that we'll be able to make the proper decision. So, that brings us to this month's topic Classic arcade games. We're focusing on the late 1970s through the early 1980s when the pixels were about the size of hams. So (laughs) I'm really excited for this. Jack, you and I have actually been to arcades together. We've been to 1983 in downtown Milwaukee. Uh, I've been to Galloping Ghosts just recently. So I've got arcade games on the brain. What's your experience with arcade games? Yeah, I've done a lot of uh, research leading up to this Uh, discussion going of course to up down here in milwaukee as well as 1982 um yeah i haven't been to the up down yet you like it i think it's more fun than the 1983 actually shots fired yeah (laughs) just more games it's a funner atmosphere nice yeah sweet plus Uh, there's pizza that's always a plus oh it's true Mm -hmm. but then you get the greasy joysticks Uh, (laughs) joysticks weren't too bad actually all right that's good (laughs) all right sweet i'll have to check it out but yeah, uh, I, I feel like barcades are really bringing these types of games back to the forefront, back to the pop culture. And of course, uh, Geek Chic has is, is been in ever since uh, Iron Man came out back in 2008. So we're, we're at a good place, I think, to discuss this. I, and, I, and I hope you guys enjoy uh, today's topic of classic arcade games. We'll be debating eight pixelated pioneers to determine the high scorcerer I hate. <laughs> I approve. Thank you. I was. I, I originally just had high scorer. I'm like, that's lame. I gotta throw. Yeah, it's cliche. <laughs> you know, that's like that's like what there. they would say in like the wizard or something. Oh my gosh, the wizard. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that. <laughs> yes. So needed to throw a little bit of wordplay in there. Need to use my English degree for something, you know. So 
Let's take a look at the bracket then, shall we? In the number one seed, we have Galaga going up against the number eight seed pole position. Then we have the number four seed Space Invaders going up against the number five seed, the infamous Pac-Man. Mm -hmm. Then we have the number two seed Qbert going up against the number seven seed Arkanoid. And then in the final quarterfinal matchup, we have number three seed Asteroids going up against the number six seed Donkey Kong. All right, and just as always, these seedings are completely random. The numbers mean absolutely nothing. This is just for kicks. So, are you ready to get started, Jack? Let's get it on like, oh, sorry, I, <laughs> copyright police are on me. <laughs> Fantastic, let's get it on like a nondescript pixelated monkey. All right, so in the first matchup, we have Galaga versus Pole Position. Once again, we're just gonna have five minutes on the clock. Jack, you ready? All right. So both now with both of these games, they're kind of the Resident Evil of their respective genres. Okay. Um, they're not. They're definitely not the first of their genre. Um, like with Pole Position, that's not even the first like 3D perspective racer. Right. Actually, it was like a, a Happy Days tie-in. Are you serious? Yeah. It's called Fonz. What? Fa yeah, oh my it's gosh. A, a, the Fonz. Hey, the Fonz rides on a motorcycle. Oh my god! It's gosh. great, and it had a motorcycle handlebar on the cabinet. Oh, okay. Well, we're in Milwaukee, so I guess that's appropriate that that's the first that's the first ever like three D perspective racer in arcade cabinets. Then, yes. Huh? Wow. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, but get, getting back to the discussion, of course. Uh, so they're not the first in their genre, right? But they were arguably the Best at the time, and yeah. more importantly, the most profitable. Yeah, definitely. With uh, Galaga, of course, it was a shoot 'em up. Yep. Um, it's by far uh, Namco's most popular shoot 'em up. Yep. Uh, still played to this day, of course. Yeah. Pole position. Um, it was, to my knowledge, it was the first uh, racing game to use like tracks based on actual racing circuits. Yeah, I heard and, it was, uh, this one was, the, the main track in pole position is based after a track in Japan, if I'm not mistaken, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. But it, again, that sort of element, uh, that little added element of realism uh, sometimes sold people on these games, you know? Yeah. I, while nothing was completely immersive, uh, at least not in the modern day video game buzzword version of that word, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it, I, even pole position had certain cabinets that had the overhead thing and just another just uh, right. another mm -hmm. little touch to make the game a little bit more immersive a little bit more exciting for those people pumping their quarters into it yeah yeah i, I would agree that both are sort of a refinement of existing genres well of course galaga is was a sequel more or less to galaxian which mm -hmm. is a lot slower of a shooter and by today's standards Galaga's pretty slow too, but it's a lot more satisfying. And I think that a, a big element of that is just like the simple sound design. I think as we go through this bracket, we're going to find out that arcade games sound design was like surprisingly effective. Yeah. And I yeah. think Galaga really did it right. While it didn't have any like fancy music or anything like that. Just the little chimes like that can like make the difference for some people. And I think the sound of the shot, the sound of hitting an enemy is so satisfying. The dive bombing. Yeah. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. And pole position, I think... 
if we're going to compare apples to apples here about sound design, pole position, boy, was ear grating at times. So when you drift and you hear the tires squeal, it's, it sounds like a demon possession. It is awful. <laughs> and it, it attempted to do some voiceovers. Uh, at the beginning of a race, it would say, prepare to qualify. But it sounded out, uh, more like something along the lines of a pie for Colin Farrell. <laughs> Just, it it was completely indecipherable. <laughs> and I, I appreciate them trying something, but I, I don't know if pole position was quite as polished as Galaga uh, in, in, in all of its respects. I think Galaga has a good look to it. I think it's ship design, both the enemy and the player design are really, really cool and really compelling, and it makes you excited to play. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't able to track down a pole position cabinet before yeah. uh, we had time to do the podcast, but I just feel like, I mean, racing games, like, I mean, they're fun, but it's just like, you know, just turning it, just like... I mean, there's not really any spice to it, at sure. least with like the super realistic yeah. kind of racing games. Like, I wouldn't play. I won't, I don't really play racing games unless you're right. like smashing into an, a box and then like you have a missile or a turtle shell. And you're oh, tossing sure, it kart racers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but with Galaga, like, oh, the gameplay is just it's so fun. Like, I just love the whole. Um, just memorizing the enemy patterns yeah. and uh, just knowing like, you know, like the you got the little bee or whatever going, and it's like diving behind you. Right. And then it has to, and it surfaces up and then you have to kind of like scooch in to um, shoot it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's sweet. Yeah. And I, I love doing that. And the controls are so tight. Yeah. And when you can, and, when you can sync those two up, like knowing an enemy movement and knowing how you're going to move, when you can sync that up and sync a shot, is oh, that is so satisfying. Yeah. I don't know if pole position has those moments. And we just hit five minutes. I think we know where we're leaning here. Yeah. Um, is there anything that pole position has that can make it that can inch it ahead of Galaga? I don't think so. I pre I appreciate what it did for the genre and making racing games a little bit more immersive and environmental especially mm -hmm. i think that's something that racing games today do very well is that make you feel like you're immersed in in a world yeah. like the forza games do that and gran turismo games do that very well mm -hmm. and pole position started to do that but it's just wasn't as polished and timeless in the way it did it mm -hmm. in the way that galaga sort of refined its genre yeah i mean yeah. with pole position i um if I remember, like ages ago when I played it, it was kind. It was fun to kind of like figure out like when's the like correct time to like drift and oh, turn yeah. and all that. So that that can be fun, but it's it's nothing like just nailing. There's just like the right shot for the Galaga. It's just yeah, yeah it, it's a real rush. Of, oh, and I love the little light streaks. You know, you, there, it's, there's like a whole bunch of like blinking lights for yeah. the stars. Yeah. And the way the arcade, like the CRTV stuff, the ma that makes it kind of streak. Looking, oh yeah. It's sweet. Yeah. I never, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It makes, makes the most of its limited graphics. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, Galaga is, it's, it's the more iconic of the two. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think that can be <laughs> debated too much, but it's the more polished of the two as well. I, Again, appreciate yeah. what pole position did for the genre, mm -hmm. but I don't think it quite has the edge we're looking for here. So, Galaga sinks the shot, moves on. 
All right. All right. So next next matchup, we have the number four seed Space Invaders against the number five seed Pac-Man. Okay. I am not excited. <laughs> this is going to be a tough one, but let's get five minutes on the clock. Here we go. Galaga. Oh, not Galaga. Space Invaders versus Pac-Man. Here we go. So, um... Both immensely, out of all the games in this bracket, these two are perhaps the most iconic. Oh, yeah, certainly. Maybe like Donkey Kong like comes close. Mm-hmm. But like with Space Invaders, it was like... Like space invade, like we wouldn't have a video game market without space invaders. Right. Like it burst onto the scene, made arcades really popular. Mm-hmm. Like um, there was this to, to demonstrate that there's there's this old urban legend that apparently a hundred yen coins were short in Japan during the golden age of of a space invaders. Like if that's not demonstrative of how influential and exciting this game was for a lot of people, I don't know what is. You know? Yeah. yeah. And then with Pac-Man, um, it's by far Namco's most popular property. Oh, yeah. It's like widely gu- regarded one of the most successful coin-op games like ever. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. He's in Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. It's crazy. But um, so obviously these the influence of these two games, th- they can't be denied. So right. I think it's useful to look at like the actual gameplay. Yeah, I would so, agree. So... Um, with Space Invaders, um, it's of course uh, an early uh, shoot 'em up. Yep. You know, actually, with Space Invaders, it's really fascinating because, I mean, think about the gameplay of Space Invaders. Yep. You uh, shoot at enemies. Yep. And you occasionally dive into cover to avoid shots. Now, right. think of the most popular games out in the market today. You have like Fortnite, Call of Duty, yep. uh, Overwatch. You shoot at enemies, hide in the cover to avoid shots. Yeah. I, You and I have had a lot of great discussions about like core game mechanics. And this is, this is a mechanic in its purest form. The gameplay of Space Invaders is so inherent to how we understand video games nowadays because not all games... Pac-Man included, are, are shoot them, jump things, avoid things, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that is prevalent in so many different games and so many of our, our favorite characters and our favorite franchises. And it all starts back here. Because a lot of games prior to Space Invaders were based on sports or a, existing board games, things like that, uh, existing uh, games that you could play with your friends, that sort of thing. But here they're actually attempting to tell a story, however simple that story may be, the story of aliens invading. That's that was a novel concept for the time. That's wild. And so I as iconic as Pac-Man is, I don't think we can deny how strictly influential in a very core way Space Invaders was. Yeah. Uh, Pac-Man is everywhere though. Mm-hmm. Like of all of these games, uh Donkey Kong and Pac-Man are the two that really have stood the test of time, not necessarily because of their gameplay, but because of their branding and because Mm -hmm. of their approach to uh, something that's really prevalent within the industry now is that sort of element of having a mascot. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a reason that Pac-Man is in Super Smash Brothers and not the gun from (laughs) (laughs) Space Invader or even the Space Invaders themselves. Right. Yeah. And it's, 
you'll see Space Invaders pop up in little pop cultural mm-hmm. moments here and there. Like, I think the there's one of the main Space Invaders, the one that kind of looks like a crab, yeah. is used as the logo for Video Games Live, which is an orchestra mm-hmm. that performs mm-hmm. video game music live. And yeah, like, there were there was in... Uh, I saw it in Milwaukee ages ago. It was sweet. Oh, yeah. yeah, and they, they use that to represent what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, I suppose for copyright reasons, I probably couldn't have used Pac-Man. But would it have been as effective if they used Pac-Man? Maybe. You know, I, I, li- I like Pac-Man and the fact that it is so prevalent and sort of become a pop culture thing. I have a little tin Pac-Man uh, cabinet on, mm-hmm. on my desk at work. And it's, it's interesting to see how people connected with a character, no matter how simple it was. Right. So. And I mean, Pac-Man, it's also a, just a really strong game too. Yeah. Um, I think it's a bit stronger than space invaders, the okay. gameplay. Cause like, um, I feel like space invaders can be a little bit samey. That's, um, that's fair. but with Pac-Man, like, I mean, every level is pretty much the exact same, uh, but the variety comes from the ghosts. Like, oh yeah. You know, each per- go, you can like even playing it, you can tell that like there's different behaviors to the ghosts. Yes. Like Blinky, he'll like hound you constantly while Clyde will kind of do his own thing. Um, yeah, and, and just the way that like ghosts can like corner you and like kite right. you and and you have to like figure like oh okay do I have to like okay I can get this group of dots here yep. but then I'll have to descend down here um, maybe to, like to avoid the ghosts and then like you choosing the right moment to get the yeah. power pellet and then swallowing up all the ghosts it's really satisfying yeah and I I think you've touched on something there that might have swayed me a little bit because I. I really enjoy Space Vader, Space Invaders and what it brought to the industry. And I know we're out of time here, but I think the point that you just made is that the the gameplay loop of Pac-Man has more inherent variety. And with Space Invaders, you're mostly just dodging and shooting. Yeah. I, I think there's something to be said about... Earlier, I spoke to game, the sound design of these games. And I think Space Invaders was like one of the first to really hit hard in that department with its increasing sort of heartbeat sound. Oh, I yeah. Think that, I think that's still incredibly effective today, even when you play it. And um, the cabinet itself, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And, yeah, like the artwork on the outside and the fact that they used cellophane to color mm-hmm. it initially. Yeah. That's yeah. not – I mean, we're so used to having color displays nowadays that we – that's not something we even think of, but it's incredibly inventive. And, you know. Space Invaders pioneered so much, but mm-hmm. it's so hard to stand up against Pac-Man. When people think arcades, they think Pac-Man. Right. Yeah. When they think of video games, they think of Pac-Man. Yeah. Probably even before they think of Space Invaders. Right. Mm. But is that due to the... But And I think that's like more... That's due um, not just from the branding, but just like the fact that Pac-Man is in many ways a superior game to Space Invaders. Yeah. And there's like... There's a real um, strategy to everything that's just so compelling, and it wants to. It keeps it keeps you pumping quarters over and over again. Yeah. While Space Invaders, it's uh, like it's fun like the first couple of times, but then you just kind of kind of get bored of it, and you sure. move on to like something a little bit more fancy. Right. Like if I had like if it was like if I had like one quarter left, like which which arcade game would I play? And that that would most definitely go to Pac Man. Yeah, that's fair. I think that seals the deal. Yeah, I think 
it's at the end of the day, you're more excited and engaged by everything that Pac-Man has to offer. And Space Invaders just isn't big enough now. I think it was for the time, and I'm glad Mm -hmm. it existed, but I don't think it'll stand up here in this bracket. Pac-Man just takes a big old bite out of Space Invaders. Pac-Man's moving forward. All right. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Next, oh, we have some oddballs here in the next bracket. Mm. We have the number two seed, Cubert, against the number seven seed, Arkanoid. Jack, are you ready? All right, so I know you have some sort of personal history with uh, Arkanoid, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I love Arkanoid. I think it's such a... There's there's something that games can capture better than any other media, in my opinion, is that sense of... I think it's like actually psychologically called flow, that when you just get in a rhythm of doing a task and you're on a roll, that sort of thing, and I don't think there's any other game on this bracket that captures flow as well as Arkanoid does. It's so hypnotic. I love it. Yeah, just like the rhythm of like the ball and trying to like analyze like uh, where it's going to go if yeah. it creams off this spot or this spot, trying to position the paddle so it yeah. um, the b- ball bounces in just the right way you want it to get to where you need to go. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think having a strong physics engine in these early arcade games was something that was really overlooked more or less the the games that really relied on this like pong and uh, arkanoid now i I think arkanoid really does it best Uh, there's of course an earlier version of arkanoid being breakout uh which is a much simpler version of this but arkanoid actually added sort of a sci-fi skin to it and they added uh, a little bit of story and the added the power-up mechanics and it just makes that flow all that much more achievable because it adds that little element of environment, that little element of, uh, of ambiance, so to speak. I don't know. I'm, I, I feel like I'm really talking up Arkanoid when it's just l- literally a, a, a better version of Breakout. But I, I, I feel like that game does a lot of things right for a good single-player arcade experience. And Qbert... It's a very silly game. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I was actually like kind of impressed with like how uh, good the gameplay is, because like it's kind of like that same basic philosophy of Pac-Man, where you have to mm-hmm. like go cr- across pretty much every space on the map, and you have what you have to do so while avoiding enemies. Right. Yeah, and I th- I think what Cubert, what's compelling about Cubert is the fact that it takes advantage of the graphical limitations, the fact that it uses the isometric view Mm -hmm. is pretty genius. Not going to lie, because we were talking earlier about pole position, how it's attempts to be immersive, but doesn't quite get there. And I think Qbert realized, okay, we can't be anything too fancy schmancy. So let's realize what we can do and do the best that we can with that. So like you said, making making use of sort of a Pac-Man type movement, but on that isometric space, I think is... It's pretty genius. As uh, as much as I enjoy Arkanoid, I think Hubert did something very right there. So I I think how do you feel Hubert <laughs> works as this mascot that we've been talking about? We've talked about how I think compelling, he's pretty yeah. cute. I like yeah. the little way he hops from platform to platform like a little like a little bird. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a little, like, boop, boop, yeah. Boop. It's really endearing. Uh, yeah, I think 
the way he like he's kind of like relatable because like if I was attacked by a purple snake, <laughs> I would probably shout some sort of expletive that would yeah. be censored by a in comic book style, you know? Yeah, and that's another oh, that's another great example about how Kubert takes advantage of the limitations of the technology at the time because. Again, I think they tried to initially create some sort of actual voiceover in the game, but they're like, ah, this doesn't sound any good. So let's just jarble it up, throw some random uh, comic book letters in there, and this is what he says now. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I love seeing that type of ingenuity, and I think Hubert does demonstrate a lot of it. But what are your thoughts on Arkanoid? Do you... Do you yeah. enjoy it as much as I do? I do. I feel like, I think my main problem is that the little knob, I get why it's there. You know, it's good to kind of like vary the speed of the paddle. Okay. But it's really, it's pretty sensitive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I got a lot of missed balls because I was just, um, you know, because it's just so sensitive. You would so turn sensitive. it too far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it takes some real... Um, playing around to get kind of practice to get that just to get right that, to get that game feel yeah i i actually wrote that down as a plus i really like the dial mechanism i think it, it first of all it just sets itself apart in the arcade I, I i've read a couple articles about how arcade cabinets are designed just as marketing tools and in a subtle way, Arkanoid might capture your attention because it looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, this isn't a typical joystick and button setup. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm a such different. a I'm such a sucker for those really gimmicky arcade machines because it's like I can't do that on my PS4 or my mm -hmm. Nintendo Nintendo Switch. I I can't have like literally a motorcycle handle yeah. or a steering wheel or a trackball or a periscope. That's too cool. Yeah. That's exactly the reason I go to these uh, arcade games, so I can get mm. those unique gaming experiences. Exactly. And I think that's a big reason why arcades still need to exist. Some people mm -hmm. would argue that they're not relevant anymore because you can literally type in Galaga online and go play it. You can literally type in Arkanoid online and go play I some can get sort of on pirated my mobile version. Phone. Exactly. But just to have that experience of playing with a larger machine right <laughs> it as odd as that sounds i think that's a really unique experience and that's kind of where i'm at with this matchup i think arkanoid did enough unique things and again like we said about some other games refined a genre mm -hmm. a little bit refined a type of puzzle action game uh, i if you have any arguments for cubert do you think I mean, he stands up against arkanoid i mean so there's like a ton of Arkanoid clones, right? Yeah. So I don't know if you can, but with Arkan, like, can you get like the same Arkanoid experience without playing Arkanoid? Like mm. instead of like, like I, when I was a kid, I had this little plug and play thing that was like SpongeBob's head and the joystick was his nose. <laughs> and they had a, a, they had a mini game that was pretty much Arkanoid, but you're bursting bubbles instead. Okay. And you're tossing spatulas at the bubbles to pop them. Sure. Okay. But like, I mean, I mean, and there's, there's like, there's nothing like quite like Qbert, and nothing since. At least like, I mean, you could argue that it's, um, it's very similar in philosophy, design philosophy to Pac-Man, where you're mm -hmm. going across the entire map and dodging enemies. Um. Yeah. But at the same time, um, just looking at these two games, I definitely feel that 
Arkinoid is a bit more has a lot more going on like especially with like the power-ups like the yeah. way you you can juggle like three that just the intensity of juggling like three balls at the same time and yeah. having to like navigate like shooting the ball the balls the uh blocks and hitting the ball at the same time yeah and then get trying to get the ball just right so you can get like to the top row of a row of blocks and yep. go ding 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 yep. and knock them oh uh, that's really great too yeah i don't feel like i mean there's moments like kind of like like fun moments like close calls close scrapes with like different enemies in cuber but yeah. i don't think um it's as compelling a gameplay wise as arkanoid and yeah. it's a little it's kind of unfair because like cuber was released in like 1982 and mm -hmm. arkanoid was released in 1986 uh, so it, yeah. it's a little unfair to compare these games but yeah. that's is... how the bracket came about yeah. so yeah yeah arkanoid definitely definitely had a little bit more time to to marinate and mm -hmm. take in the industry and everything that its particular genre and game mode could be i yeah <laughs> i for me it's just all about that game flow i i right. don't mm -hmm. have those moments with cubert cubert's fun and endearing and i I'm glad he exists as sort of like this weird other sort of uh, stepson to Pac-Man, but it's uh, it's, it's or not as enough like for the me. son of Josh Gad and in pickles pixels. Oh my gosh, I I've not seen that movie yet. But you don't I, don't <laughs> don't do not. Okay, so let me rephrase that. I've not seen that movie, but just from the trailers, it was just so bizarre, mm -hmm. <laughs> and. Yeah, it it's interesting Cubert's place in the in the arcade mascot world because even in Wreck It Ralph, I love that movie. Oh yeah, a, a better oh, yeah. a better take on arcade mm -hmm, games. Mm -hmm. uh, even in that one, he's like the hobo who lives in the power strip. <laughs> it's yeah, he, he doesn't quite have the name recognition. I don't think to to move on in this yeah. bracket. I mean, there's a reason there's like dozens and dozens of Arkanoid clones, while there's like zero Cubert clones. You yeah. Know? Very true. Very true. I think that I think that sells it. Arkanoid is breaking out and and moving on to the next round. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> making other making allusions to other games in order to make my puns. Now this is where I'm at in my life. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so we're on to the last quarterfinal match. This one should be interesting too. A familiar face in this in this one here. So we have asteroids going up against. Donkey Kong. Jack, are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. All right. So um, I think the main comparison between these games is like both of them are both of them are about patience uh, as patience as well as quick reflexes. Yep. So like with asteroids, um, the way the whole sh uh, ship flying mechanic works, where you have to kind of like hit it so like the boost and you're kind of drifting through space yeah. and you have to kind of drift uh around you can't just like slam the gas and right. uh, fly around because you're just gonna crash right into a meteor or like a spaceship yeah so you have to be really um aware spatially aware of all the different asteroids that are around while also navigating the controls like i mean just drifting around as the little um, asteroids guy, 
uh, the spaceship. That yep. that's fun in and of itself. I agree. And um, it's interesting because asteroids and space invaders are arguably like the simplest games on this list mm-hmm. mechanically. Yeah. And yet they both feel very good. Um, asteroids, I think especially, I think you captured it very well. That that feeling of you're not in complete control of the ship. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of a sliding going on. And I think that's good. I talked about earlier a good having a good physics engine or good physics rules within your game. And I think Asteroids does that very well in sort of not letting you have complete control. And yeah. it, it feels good to move around, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. And that's good. I, yeah. I, I, it needs that element of challenge. And mm-hmm. I, I'm glad you brought up the word patience right away because that's something you definitely need for Donkey Kong. Yeah, I think out of all the games on this list, Donkey Kong is the hardest. Yeah, and especially if you're coming from, like us, you know, we didn't grow, we didn't necessarily grow up with going to arcades and things like that, and we played a lot of the later Mario games first, and mm-hmm. then we went back to Donkey Kong. Wow, the jumping mechanics feel radically different. You, yeah. You feel like you're jumping through molasses with, with Donkey Kong. It's but- like you have to, like... You're like launching Jumpman. Yeah, as opposed, you don't feel like you're taking flight. You feel mm. like you're literally like just like lifting him over a barrel or lifting him over like a big a sack fireball. of potatoes. Yeah, really. It's and is that a bad thing? I feel like because like with asteroids, the I feel like the the controls are slippery, but I feel like that's the point of the game. Right. That's where the challenge comes from. Yeah. Whereas with the with the lumpiness and I guess <laughs> I like the heaviness of Donkey Kong's controls, I feel like that's more of a negative because like that's just like I feel like that those kind of controls like um are more for increasing the difficulty rather than for a unique challenge. Okay. That's yeah. fair. I think. Artif- in- artificially increasing the difficulty, I might add. Yeah, that's that's something I thought about a lot as we as I prepared for this bracket. Is that at this point in time, games are still very much products that are meant to produce money. Not that the industry is is like completely artistic and and pure nowadays. There's certainly not microtransactions. Mm-hmm. Yep. The mere existence of microtransactions yep. are a testament to that. Yep. But. Mm-hmm these games are designed for you to empty your wallet <laughs> and Donkey Kong might be a pretty uh, egregious offender of that being yeah. like, like you said, sort of having this, these wonky controls to artificially make things more difficult. And like with the, with the barrels too, like it's, it's completely random. Like, like if barrels will just keep going on or if they'll go like right on top of your head as they're going, as you're climbing on the ladder, there's no real indication that that's going to happen until it's too late. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about mascots. So is Donkey Kong and Mario, is that relationship, is that intensity of what's going on in each of those levels between Mario and, and Donkey Kong, is that interesting enough to get people to keep playing. I think maybe back in the day it was. I don't know if now it is because the characterizations of Mario and Donkey Kong are so different. I feel like, because like at this point, most games uh, in arcades were kind of like sci-fi inspired yeah. or they were sports games. But this um, this kind of went in a different direction, kind of like more of like a comic book 
kind of yeah. silliness to yeah. it. I mean, it was. I mean, I think Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, he wanted to make a Popeye game, but he couldn't get the license, so he kind of made his own version of that. Right. While taking liberal, uh, insp- kind of maybe arguably too liberal, <laughs> uh, inspiration from King Kong. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a whole lawsuit about that. Yeah. <laughs> Unfor- uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, uh, Nintendo did win that, and <laughs> thankfully, it wasn't sued. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's interesting to see how that relationship holds up now that Mario and Donkey Kong are so different. But I don't know. I'm surprised here. It feels like we're going for asteroids, but are we? I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure. I mean, with Donkey Kong, I feel like if I were to erase from history one of these games, like... I'd probably go with asteroids because, like, if I had like the Infinity Gauntlet and I had, and if somebody put a gun to my head and yeah. I had to erase one of these games, I'd probably go with asteroids because with Donkey Kong, it's just like, it's how Nintendo got into the whole video games market. Like, right. they had a bunch of flops beforehand. Yeah. Um, but then, um, they were like, okay, let's bring in Shigeru Miyamoto in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we're gonna basically reskin these arcade cabinets that didn't do so well yeah and we're gonna put this game in and now it's a huge thing it was their first major success in the video game market and yeah. then it, it led to the creation and the whole um library of nintendo's games um all the beloved games from your childhood yeah. i think wouldn't exist without donkey kong yeah we we owe a lot to that game for sure. And it, I think what the, it comes down to for me is I think both of them have their ups and downs in terms of gameplay. I yeah. think it, it, asteroids, like you said about space invaders can be a bit samey. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think that's a real killer for me, but so what we're really comparing here is almost marketing, <laughs> honestly, because it, you know, we're, do you get more excited? Do you get that sort of giddy, childish feel in your in, in your mind when you see an Asteroids machine? Not necessarily when you see a Donkey Kong one, even though you know you're going to have a tough time getting up those, those that scaffolding. Yeah, I think you do have a little bit more elation when you see that cabinet. There's just something very cool about tapping into that icon and revisiting it. I think that's very powerful. <laughs> Does that make it the better game? Maybe? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure that because, like, obviously, there's like high, high level play, like, there's a whole yeah. documentary devoted to um, Donkey Kong, yeah, yeah, Donkey Kong, and the whole, um, really, the whole like early, like, precursor to esports and how oh, just point. chasing high scores. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I feel like Donkey Kong is really ingrained in that culture. Um, yeah. in, the, in the culture of arcades. Yeah, I think some, uh, something we made a point of earlier was when we think of arcades, we think of Pac Man. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think of Donkey Kong as well. And I think that name recognition is important to an arcade game. <laughs> like I said, it's it's how they market themselves literally on the floor there. So, man, yeah, we're we're really over time with this one, but right. that's okay. I I think this one deserves a lot of discussion because Asteroids is simpler in pretty much every single way, mm-hmm. both in marketing and in gameplay. 
approachability, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, but Donkey Kong has like so many different moving parts. Yeah. And, and it's, it's way more complex and a lot more ambitious, I feel, because it's like five whole levels, uh, not five, four whole levels of gameplay and all these different moving parts. Yep. Um, I mean, and, and at the same time, like, like even though I w- when I was playing it the other day, and even though I was getting my, uh, even though I was getting my ass kicked, um, <laughs> I was still pumping quarters into it because I wanted to keep going and I wanted to see um, all the all the four different levels uh, that it had to offer. Right. And, like there's a there's a whole reason like how high can the game tells you like how high can you get? It's that kind of challenge. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it is kind of satisfying to when you find when you do nail the jump. Um, there there is a satisfaction to that, and and, and there's uh, like I talked before about patience, and uh, I feel like Donkey Kong really exemplifies that. You can't just go like you can't speed run Donkey Kong no. like, like you can <laughs> uh, a regular Mario game. Yeah, like you have to take your time and plan out every jump. And um, go up ladders at like just the right time yeah. to evade the barrels, yeah. and uh, use the hammer at just the right moment. Yeah, that's a good point. So there's definitely I feel like this the skill ceiling is a lot higher uh, for Donkey Kong than for Asteroids. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I think I, I mean that being said, the jump mechanics are still really rough yeah and so is that is that is it even worth it to like get better at donkey kong or or are you just struggling with something that like are you fighting against the machine yeah are you Mm -hmm. fighting against the game as opposed to actually improving actually improving your skills with the controls that you have yeah i i think i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna lay down the gauntlet here because we're way over time gauntlet. on this one. You're gonna, <laughs> yep. Snap I'm, gonna, your I'm gonna snap my fingers and I'm gonna eliminate asteroids here. And here's why: because Donkey Kong just has more meat to it. And mm-hmm. uh, even when you're fighting against the game, you're still enjoying this sort of pseudo, very light, but a, a story nonetheless. There's a light story going on, and you're enjoying that. And it it challenges you challenges you to keep going. Uh, I think that's while that was of course a, a way to get money out of your pocket at the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's that's still speaking to compelling gameplay or at least compelling marketing. <laughs> so I think there's just too much to Donkey Kong for it to be overtaken by asteroids for me. Like you said, too many moving parts. Yeah. Yep. I just I I think you're completely on the money here. You know, uh, just like. What's the more interesting game? Like, if I had one more quarter left, and if I if I were to True. put it in Asteroids or Donkey Kong, I would probably put it in Donkey Kong, not just for, for one for it's just like the appeal of playing Donkey Kong, this icon of yeah. gaming, um, but just because the I think the gameplay is um, a bit more involved, even though it's debatable in its actual like contr- at least as far as the controls go, I, I think it's a lot more of a, like you feel compelled a, a bit more compelled to like trying to see it through and try to beat the game and uh, test your skills and all that. Yeah. Well said. I think that allows Donkey Kong to climb on to the next round. 
Let's review the standings, shall we? Before we move on to the semifinals, we have Galaga going up against Pac-Man. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Those are two, two icons, again, going up against each other. Two Namco icons. Yeah, it's crazy. And then we have Arkanoid going up against Donkey Kong. Okay, all right. Got some arcade staples going here. All right, let's begin the first semifinal round. We have Galaga going up against Pac-Man. Here we go. All right, so... Um, so as I said, it's two giant, arguably, um, Namco, Namco's two biggest games. Um, of course, Pac-Man is probably the more popular of the two. Yeah. Um, but as, um, so that's undeniable. I mean, Pac-Man like pretty much wins out in the popular, at least in the popularity contest against like pretty much all the games on this list, I'd argue. Yeah. Um, that being so, I think it's useful. Like, look at like what's the superior game? Yeah, i I think something that's really sticking with me with Pac Man is that sort of dynamicism of the of the gameplay flow, like you described earlier. Like the loop is constantly changing. You're not always going for the enormous power pellets. Sometimes you have to hold back and go for the smaller ones. And sometimes you're trying to avoid this type of ghost in this type of way and other times there's gonna be another ghost so you have to perform in a different type of way you have to go like into the weird warping area going exactly. on the other side of the board yeah and with galaga it's much more linear for better or for worse it's much more linear you're always shooting mm-hmm. <laughs> you're always shooting and you're always trying to memorize patterns that's essentially the two main parts of this game and how you win it and I don't. I, I I think that's a detriment to Galaga. The well, fact that it doesn't have that element of here's my strategy. Oh no, you should try this. This is my strategy. When you're in the arcade battling with your friends and that sort of thing, so I, see if you can get the high score. I would have to disagree. Okay, because Galaga has like uh, different. Like with the way that enemy patterns uh, come out. Like there's yeah. different. There's a lot of variety in like. I mean the different fighter the different like enemies kind of like a lot of them kind of move the same yeah. but um just like the variety and like sometimes you'll be shooting out like this group of enemies that's swooping in uh in this um curved pattern where they go from the side and then go upwards right. or they might be going straight down or they might be crisscrossing the uh game board and then yeah. they might be in that big column over there and then um so I feel like it it does have that element of variety to it. Okay. Yeah. And um I also really like the kind of risk and reward system. So occasionally in the game, uh there'll be the it's actually the titular char- character of Galaga that would swoop in and do the uh force field thing. Oh and yeah, grab like, your so like the fighter. tractor beam, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you would have to go in and rescue that. But you actually you might want to actually do that because if you rescue the ship, then you'll get two ships at the same time and you'll have double the firepower. So there's a real risk and reward element to that. Like, am I able to risk, potentially risk this ship in order to be able to get it back again and get twice the firepower? Yeah, that's a good point. That, that touches on, I think a little bit of strategic depth that I was overlooking when playing, when thinking about Galaga and how I play it. And 
it's it's I love that those are the little touches that make the difference with these games. Like mm-hmm. we've talked about how there are other shoot 'em ups at this time, Space Invaders being one of them, and Galaxian, Gala- Galaga's predecessor being another one, and dozens of others. But what Galaga did uniquely was this sort of tractor beam capture mechanic and being able to come back with twice the power power firepower, as you said. And yeah, there's not really an element of risk to Pac-Man necessarily. I mean, of course, you can like make a shaky move and go around a corner maybe a little bit hastily when there's a, a ghost approaching from mm-hmm. across the way. But to literally have a sacrifice <laughs> and then use that to your advantage later, uh, that type of gameplay isn't very common in these earlier games. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. Like, with Pac-Man, you sort of ha- you have to make decisions in the moment. Yeah. Um, so can't think long term with Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's. that's I mean, you point. have to do that a little bit. Like, if you have to, like, if you have to dodge this ghost and like trying to figure out, like, how am I going to get back to this uh, section of dots so I can swoop in again? Yeah. But even then, those kind of moments are a little bit more fleeting in Pac-Man, where I feel they're they come up a bit more frequently in like Galaga, right. with uh, especially with the way you. Um, like I touched on before, the whole memorizing and not not just memorizing, but reading enemy patterns, figuring out what is the appropriate time to move to the left or right yep. uh, in order to um, stay within the curve, uh, stay out of the curve mm-hmm. of the enemy, and um, blast them. Yeah. Okay, so I can't. I feel like right now we're in the sort of stage where Galaga is a little bit ahead, but I can't quite give way yet. I think what Pac-Man needs to be given credit for is basically creating its own genre. Mm-hmm. We, there's there's plenty of shoot-em-ups out there. We've said it before. Mm-hmm. Nothing else like Pac-Man. Of course, there were dozens of clones made afterward, after the franchise became incredibly su- successful, but... At, at at the time, it was just sort of a, a unique, not shooting, not jumping game, but a, a pseudo-puzzle action game. And I think what was really cool about it is that it didn't really alienate any audiences. It was a... Yeah, like a, men and women were playing this. Absolutely. It's a very like simple aesthetic, uh, but one that I think they owned really well. I, I, I love the... Uh, I mentioned earlier that I have a little trinket that looks like an old Pac-Man arcade cabinet. And I love... The bright yellow, uh, uh, contrasting with the dark of the screen, and then the blue sort of neon maze. I think that's such a great look, and it's so simple, yeah. and it appealed to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a huge strength that I think Pac-Man has over a lot of games on this list. Yeah, and I was gonna bring up. Uh, so Galaga is a se- kind of direct sequel to Galaxian, Galaxian, which. Uh, came out in 1979, yeah, and I feel like that's a bit more important. It's not. It's not nearly as pop. It's not nearly as popular as Galaga, right? But it's arguably more important because it was like one of the first arcade games with full color. Yeah. Um. I mean, uh, 
Space Invaders did that too, but that was because of like the cellophane, the cellophane colored right. cellophane. Yeah. It, didn't, it wasn't like in the monitor itself. The color display, actually, yeah. right? And Galaxy, and it's largely the same gameplay. Uh, you know, just memorizing patterns and dive bombing enemies. It, it's a lot slower. It's yeah. a bit slower than Galaga, but yeah. it's kind of the same game, um, pretty much. Save except for the they don't have the mechan the whole ship capturing mechanics so like galaga doesn't really do much to expand like it it wasn't as much of a step forward i feel as something like galaxian it was just kind of like you know it's like the difference between like any other video game secret like Mass Effect, like Mass Effect was a, is this huge RPG and yeah. then uh, a Mass Effect 2 just kind of refined upon upon it. Yeah. Uh, same goes for so many different sequels where the, like Arkham Asylum, Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. um, is, um, is often fondly remembered just how much it um, incorporated the Batman mythos and just how fun the gameplay is while Arkham Asylum, Arkham City was just kind of like more of the same but in right. an open world you know so and I feel that's this kind of the same way with Galaga yeah and yeah it's interesting because again these are products very much so mm-hmm. at this time and place so when uh, an arcade owner was getting a new item. Were they more excited to get a more refined version of an existing game they already had, or were they more excited to get Pac-Man, something that was really groundbreaking? Uh, that sounds horribly skewed the way I worded it there, but I, I, I think that just pushes Pac-Man ahead for me, is the fact that it was really something new, and mm-hmm. everybody was excited to see what it was yeah. and give it a try it, it didn't discriminate anybody could enjoy it yeah well i feel like with galaga you need to have like a bit more experience with the games to really appreciate it yeah it's not quite as approachable is it mm-hmm. yeah okay oh. <laughs> i know um, we were pretty tight here for a while so what do you think i'm kind of leaning towards pac-man yeah me i too, mean man. just the, the combination of like just you know the brand and it, it, not only the brand, but just the gameplay backing it, backing it up, you know? Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a shallow thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's something that we're going to have to continually remind ourselves is that as popular, I mean, <laughs> Pac-Man fever, you know how that goes. It, as, as wild and zany as things got with Pac-Man being such a phenomenon, it's it. It wasn't for no reason. <laughs> it, 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 like you said, it has the game pay, gameplay backing it up, and I, I love Galaga. I think it's a, I think it's the best shooter of that time, and it really, it does hold up. It's still fun to play every time. Anytime I see a, a Galaga cabinet at a bar or something, I'll you know pop in a quarter or two and play a game. It's really fun. But Pac-Man just had that element of innovation and surprising people. So Pac-Man's moving forward. It. Swallowed that pellet and gobbled that chip right up. Oh yes, you know, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, actually, it's... fun fact: um, on the in the instructions section of the original cabinet, those power pellets, the instructions called them uh, flashing energizers. Oh my gosh! So that's like that's so... actually the name of my new indie pop band, flashing <laughs> energizers. That's amazing. Yeah, like that. I didn't know that. Like literally until i went over to 1982 to play that game for research you know that's hilarious yeah it's interesting because we're talking about the 
earliest days of popular video gaming here. Just the language is not yet mm -hmm. developed yet. You know, the power-ups were an innovation at this time. So to call them the power pellets flashing energizers, it seems unintuitive to us now, but back then, <laughs> what else were you going to call them? You yeah. Know? I mean, you, you say flashing energizers and you, you know, you know what you're talking about in Pac-Man, but, <laughs> but you wouldn't call it that today. That's great. Interesting. Yeah. But, oh man, Pac-Man's moving on to the finals. Oh boy. Okay. So, last but not least, we have Donkey Kong going up against Arkanoid for, to determine who will face off against Pac-Man in the finals for the title of the High Scorcerer. <laughs> man, even I winced at that. <laughs> All right. Let's get five minutes on the clock. We have Donkey Kong going up against Arkanoid. Here we go. All right. So, um, yeah. Again, I, it's not really a favorable <laughs> uh, comparison in Donkey Kong's um, favor um, because Arkanoid is like five years older than Donkey Kong. It's right. had a long time to kind of. Uh, you know, with the graphic, it has a significant graphical upgrade. Yep. Um, there's like actual text. Yeah. Um, to tell, I mean, kind of Donkey Kong, um, I guess was a little in innovative with like how it communicated its story very um, effectively without yeah. the use of text. I mean, it's a pretty simple story. <laughs> like classic monsters stealing away the, the damsel in distress. Type. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. The fact that Arkanoid has a story, I, I I tried to frame that as a plus early on, but the fact, the fact that it does it all is a little bit strange, uh, especially once you get to like the later the later levels. And there's there's an actual final boss in Arkanoid. It's a giant Easter Island head. Oh, it's it's called Doe, spelled D O H. Yes, the Homer Simpson noise. Play Doe. I, yeah, exactly. It's. It's it's incredibly strange. So, is 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 Arkanoid's story? E does that even hold any weight? The fact that it exists is that important? But does the quality give it any give it any pluses? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you, let's put it this way: we don't play Arkanoid Arkanoid clones for the story. We don't play Donkey Kong for the story though either. So perhaps that's just a wash. <laughs> but again, two very different games. One is a action platformer type deal, and the other is a action in quotations puzzle game. Now, I I, I enjoy Arkanoid and the game flow that you can achieve with that a lot. And Donkey Kong, as we've discussed, almost works against game flow. <laughs> it does not want you to get into a rhythm really, and I think that's that to a certain degree is. A detriment but what donkey kong did is that it set the stage for platformers which is in my opinion like one of the biggest most important video game genres out there it's absolutely it, it set the stage for so many great characters that we love and so many great worlds that we love we wouldn't have had things like donkey kong country or any of the mario games without donkey kong we wouldn't have had Crash Bandicoot, Banjo-Kazooie. Banjo-Kazooie is my favorite. We, I don't think we would have really had those without Donkey Kong posing us this 
initial challenge. And Argonoid, I don't think it has that sort of staying power, that uh, that sort of yeah. element of influence. We think of Arcanide more as like that one game that has all these clones. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. true. And it, I, I think the key word there is clones, though. It doesn't, that it, it didn't push the genre to evolve. I think when people saw Donkey Kong, and even Nintendo themselves, when they saw Donkey Kong, they just... They look for the next new thing. There were sequels to Donkey Kong that arguably did its mechanics better, mm-hmm. and it eventually evolved into its flagship franchise in Mario. So and Donkey Kong Country, of course. Yeah, exactly. I, hmm. it's hard for Arkanoid to stand up against that kind and that gravity of influence. Yeah, like I was just talking about before about. Even with the technological leap, mm-hmm. like just the sheer influence of Donkey Kong um, and the way it led to all these great games, I, I, it's it can't be ignored. Right. That being said, did it inspire those platformers because people wanted to make a better game? Right. Yeah, that's a tr- that's a tricky question. <laughs> I, while while with Arkanoid, um, it was a great a fantastic game to begin with. Yep. And then there were these pretenders trying to cash in on that success. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting conundrum because I don't, I I think people did want their own Donkey Kong for sure, but do people think they could do it better? Maybe. Yeah, that's. That's a tough one to pin down. I'll say this. Would you rather spend $8 on the Eat Shop uh, on Donkey Kong or Arkanoid? Oh, gosh. I'd probably <laughs> go with Arkanoid. I probably would, too. And it's... Mm, gosh, that it, it, it's so hard to like talk against Donkey Kong because it is such an icon. I think... Something that we have to consider here. I, I Okay, so to answer your question, I would agree. I would probably go for Arkanoid. It's a much more pleasant game to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, something that's just, just bothering me, though, is the fact that Donkey Kong and Pac-Man both attract audiences. Uh, we talked about earlier, you brought up the fact of this was the earliest version of eSports that we have. And... That's really compelling. The fact that a game is so interesting and taxing in one way or another that it gathers people around the cabinet to watch. Uh, I think there's some value in that. Uh, and I don't think Arkanoid can do that. It's a very much, like I said, a very good personal one-on-one experience yeah. between you and the game. But Donkey Kong, I'll draw a crowd. Yeah, like <laughs> I would much rather watch... Um, high tier Donkey Kong gameplay rather than high tier Arkanoid gameplay. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. You you spoke about the sort of ceiling for the yeah. skill ceiling mm-hmm. earlier when we were comparing uh, Donkey Kong to Asteroids. Mm-hmm. I think there's a similar thing going on here where the potential <laughs> that Donkey Kong has is just so enormous, both in in its inherent gameplay and its influence and how it how its design later went on to create so many great games there's it's it's filled with potential even though it might not be as good of a game as as arkanoid or some Mm -hmm. of these other games are i hmm, 
that's really tough. I don't know. I am. I'm still a little stuck. How are you? Uh, how are you feeling about this? Where where do you where are you at? Where are you leaning? <laughs> hmm. Well, um, I think the Arkanoids definitely does have that skill ceiling, um, but in the same way that Donkey Kong uh, is a bit more difficult because of its controls, I feel like Arkanoid is a bit more un- maybe a little bit, a bit more unnecessarily difficult because of just how sensitive the dial is. The dial control mm-hmm. is, yep. So we both struggle there. a little bit with that. I I, th- I think what's... Well, well, what's more important to us? Is the legacy of the game important, or is the game itself more important, and the gameplay and how fun it is to play? Right. Yeah. It, my gut is telling me it's how fun it is. <laughs> but... Oh man, it's just so hard to ignore that everything that Donkey Kong is, like you said, so so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. There's so much to it. Uh, we haven't even touched on really the sound design of Donkey Kong. Oh yeah, there's like the like I love yeah, that. Just I, how iconic there is. Right. Yeah. That's that's a theme that has some weight to it. And mm-hmm. uh, Arkanoid has some nice shimmery sound effects, but it doesn't have that sort of sense of really gripping you like like donkey kong does i right yeah i (laughs) I, I, let's put it this way it's not necessarily fun versus not fun but less fun with other things (laughs) like better sound design Mm -hmm. better characterization uh potential for gathering a little bit of a crowd around you as you play versus better gameplay but you're going to be kind of sitting alone in the corner of the right, arcade. Yeah. And I think that. that that sort of communal element to the whole arcade scene, I feel that uh, that's pretty ingrained in the whole arcade experience. That's sort of like going out and actually yeah. like seeing people not to, not to say that there is, I mean, there is those moments of just like just playing by yourself alone at the arcade machine, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, with you, when you have friends around and you're all like going in there and you're like, oh man, you, you, you gotta jump, you jumped over that barrel real good. Yeah. Uh, versus like just, boop, 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 <laughs> you know, it, it, it can be a little kind of like hypnotic and almost like a kind of lulls you to sleep a little bit. <laughs> I feel with Arkanoid, right. even though, it, well, I, I mean, at least. I mean, with the player, the player is like, "Oh God, I gotta get to this ball now. I gotta get to. I got three different balls, and and I have to avoid these weird spiral UFO things <laughs> at the same time." Right. It, yeah. It's not so. Um, it's it doesn't lull you asleep when you're actually playing it. Right. Uh, but I feel like with Donkey Kong, it's um, just having that kind of like that shared like. Nostalgia, like, I mean, at the uh, I haven't played the up until now. I haven't played the actual like cabinet for um, Arkanoid at this point. Sure. Well, meanwhile, I have played, and, and I feel like a tons of people have played uh, Donkey Kong. So that shared experience, and then combining that with everybody there, um, that makes for really comp- a, a really compelling. 
uh, gaming session. It's kind of the reason, the whole reason that we're in these arcades yeah. to begin with. Yeah. I th- okay. Yeah. That's where I think it's pushing Donkey Kong a little bit ahead for me because I think what we struggle with a little bit is that we're reading these as pure games because most of the gaming experiences you and I have now are in our own homes playing single player games or playing some sort of online game where we're still the only person in the room, even though we might be socializing over the web. Mm-hmm. The fact that a game can draw a crowd is really important to these businesses and important to, as you said, the arcade environment, the whole and culture, experience. Yeah. culture. Exactly. So that's I'm leaning towards Donkey Kong. All that all that being I'd said. I'd say so too. I think there's a reason that like Rare built that game from the ground up uh, because they they couldn't use the code anymore cuz of the copyright. They b- rebuilt that game, the whole code from the ground up Dang. and put it in Donkey Kong 64 in that one just in that one level mm-hmm. just for so like just as like the one optional level, like the fact that they gave that much dedication for like essentially an Easter egg. Yeah. Um, I think that says something about Donkey Kong. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a reason that like there's a documentary documentary for Donkey Kong rather than Arkanoid. Right. And when we go into these new barcades, these places, when they have Donkey Kong and Arkanoid and all these other games, we still feel like we owe something to Donkey Kong. <laughs> like You feel like one of your corridors is obligated to at least play one session of that. I, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, everybody says, oh, if you're going to get into rock music, you have to make sure you listen to the Beatles and Zeppelin and Queen. But And when you play old classic arcade games and things that, are sort of the origins of everything great that we have now, you don't necessarily have to go and play Arkanoid where you pretty much have to do your homework and go play Donkey Kong. Man, <laughs> this, is, this, this is really interesting with how, how unintuitive sometimes Donkey Kong is, but how iconic it is and how influential it's been. It's, right. it's, I think it's creating some interesting matchups here and, I don't know. Do you agree with me? Do you think it deserves to go on to the finals? I say so. I think so too. Yeah. Yep. Again, it's it, it, these arcade games are much more than just games. They're products mm-hmm. and they're they're sort of set pieces for conversation and for social interaction. Uh, if if not now, at least back in the 80s, so late seventies and early eighties when these things were incredibly popular. So. Yeah, I think Donkey Kong's moving on to the finals, going up against Pac-Man to determine the high scorer. Man, okay. So, oh, you ready for this, Jack? I'm ready. Okay. Let's do this. Got my notes. Got my water. Got your boxed water. (laughs) Quality. Fantastic. Okay. In the final round for the title of high scorer, we have Pac-Man versus Donkey Kong. I got five minutes on the clock, despite the fact we've gone over numerous times. <laughs> Here we go. Pac-Man versus Donkey Kong. Okay, so... it's it, Pac-Man still inherently sort of exists as a franchise and as a game. 
There a couple of years ago we had Pac-Man Championship Edition, which was released on a lot of modern consoles, and boy, that game feels good. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's I'm really like, fun to play. And yeah, I I don't know if Donkey Kong has a true modern analog that still stands the test of time. We've we've talked about Donkey Kong and its influence as a platformer, but to say that. Uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is the sequel, long long ways down the line, of the original Donkey Kong, I don't think is very accurate. Yeah. Where you could say that about Pac-Man, Pac-Man and Pac-Man Championship Edition. I think the whole decision to make Cranky Kong the original Donkey Kong and like the Donkey Kong Country protagonist as like his grandson, I think that's that kind of speaks to... <laughs> kind of like a desire to um different differentiate itself from the donkey kong i mean i think that's more so just to because like this is like with the whole marketing behind donkey kong country was that it's new this yes. exciting you know with the 3d graph faux 3d graphics mm-hmm. and um so it, this idea of like the new versus the old like even with like the the intro where you got Cranky Kong with the phonograph on the original girder for the from Donkey Kong and then yeah, playing the original song yeah, and, and everything. Then Donkey Kong jumps in with this uh boombox and he's Because it was the nineties. Yes. Oh man. Yeah, it's that's a really good point. I think it's interesting when a, a, a predecessor uh, a predecessor for a really popular modern game is almost commented on mm-hmm. <laughs> in, a, in in a very odd way it was you know you said this was a clear move forward for the donkey kong franchise donkey kong country was but it was all it was almost like a shoving off of the past like we recognize mm-hmm. that this game is kind of archaic so let's try this new thing and yeah like you said that might speak to the attitude towards donkey kong nowadays we've talked a lot about how that gameplay isn't so sharp right and then with like pac-man um i mean there's clones obviously Mm -hmm. um but then pac-man itself has evolved so much over the years like i can go on my phone and there's like i can download a a free-to-play pac-man game with tons of different game boards yeah i mean and i mean even back in the day with like miss pac-man yeah. and how it sped up the gameplay and added a bunch of new boards and then like pac-man uh 256 that's like honestly that's like one of the best mobile games like i've ever played oh nice i haven't yeah. touched that yet that sounds great, it's though. sweet yeah. it's like an endless runner meets pac-man oh sweet and there's Seems like tons really of power-ups sweet. and uh it it's just and it it goes back to, and it really takes advantage of that whole uh, feedback loop that we talked about before about just the variety of ghosts and how you deal with uh, each one, each one um, as you go down uh, the endless path. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in Pac-Man 256, the uh, ghosts' personalities are a bit more differentiated. Yeah. Um, yeah. The more it's it's more clear how the enemies behave. Yeah. Yeah. I think what we need to do with these two games is really point pinpoint their flaws. Yeah. Because Donkey Kong has some maybe some clearer ones. And Pac-Man, I don't know if it does have a lot of super clear flaws. One of them mm-hmm. for me is, on in terms of the franchise as a whole, it's just everywhere. It's merchandised to all hell. Right. And 
that can really cheapen the brand. Exactly. And mm-hmm. do you think about some of the weird sequels that it got, like Pac-Man World, where it's like a platformer point and click? What? What is happening? <laughs> it's like, why did you take this direction with this character when you have such a good gameplay uh, mechanism at its core? I so, mean, eventually they would get to it, but it yeah. took a while. Yeah, exactly. So I think they almost latched onto the wrong thing. They're like, oh, Pac-Man's yeah. a great character, and that's why people play the game. Not really. <laughs> so we play Pac-Man because mm-hmm. it's a great game and just happen, so happens that we have this yeah. little yellow puck man who's kind of endearing. Right. So <laughs> And then with Donkey Kong, um, obviously it catapulted the um, whole platformer genre and pretty yeah. much Nintendo's entire career. But one thing I kind of wished it didn't catapult and popularize is the whole damsel in distress trope because exactly. once you once you really examine like the damsel in distress trope and like how the i the really um toxic ideas about ne- always needing to protect your um significant other and th- that significant other right. always looking for protection from you um that's a really um it's a bad seed to plant. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's a, yeah. And people might say, "Oh, you're really blowing this up. This is just Donkey Kong." But yeah, but it's still you. See, you see Pauline up at the top of the rig in every single level, and you're just she's like, "Help! Help! Help!" Yeah, yeah and that's I don't. That doesn't enforce much good. That's all mm-hmm. I'm going to say about that. And I mean, it's cool to see Pauline taking a more interesting and active role in newer Mario games. Oh yeah, like she's in fantastic. Odyssey. And, yeah, they kind of like, oh yeah, she's she was actually this really strong female character the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah, it's They do kind of address it though. Like she in Pauline like during like after the end of the game, she like talks to you a little bit about herself and she talks about like how traumatic the event was and how she kind of huh. grew from that. So, I mean, yeah. that's that's kind of like it's kind of a good way to kind of like address that whole uh, i mean they're still kind of sweeping under the rug a little yeah. bit but i mean I, I suppose that's a pretty good way of kind of like addressing it and, and turning into something a lot more positive like an actual like role model absolutely yeah and i don't think we're saying that miss pac-man is a role model or anything like that but the fact that uh, pac-man was at least an active miss pac-man was at least an active character in her in her game was yeah was, is, is, i think that's something to to value you no matter how small it may be to some right. people you know mm-hmm. so yeah yeah and that was with miss pac-man that was like that was the kind of like one of the first times that like the game industry really took female video game players seriously, like yeah. as an actual audience, rather than just like, oh, let's just uh, put out a Barbie game with like that barely works, and right. w- w- d- girls will just play that, you yeah. know. Yeah, it was actually made like they actually improved upon Pac Man too with exactly. the Miss Pac Man. Yeah, it wasn't just putting a pink coat of paint on it. It mm-hmm. was it, they were continuing to make a game for everyone and. That's that's really important. I think with like like we said with these arcade games, it's about capturing that social experience, and it's it, it can be like couch co op, but there's still something very unique about sitting down with a bunch of friends at a bar or at a barcade or at anywhere and just playing a game like Donkey Kong or Pac Man. Yeah, there's something very special about mm-hmm. that, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to have this discussion today because there's. Arcade games are often 
as we have sometimes mistakenly done throughout even this episode, they're just treated like other games, but there there's something really special about what they provide to social experiences and gaming experiences in general. So, yeah, I so I don't what it comes down to for me for this final matchup is Pac-Man doesn't have enough pitfalls necessarily. Donkey Kong, I feel like has some more weaknesses mm-hmm. yeah. that are tougher to address in the long run. Yeah. Pac-Man still holds up and wherever its flaws may be, are they're not nearly as glaring. Right. So, yeah. Like now that like the the legacy of these two games are kind of on equal footing, we mm-hmm. can kind of like really dissect um which is the better kind of experience. Right. I mean, with Donkey Kong, I feel like there's more potential to like, for more interesting gameplay. Like, you know what we talked about before, like watching high level Donkey Kong play versus high level Pac-Man play. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, it's definitely there in both of these games. Um, yeah, but I feel like Donkey Kong, it might be just because of the variety of, stuff there is the variety of stuff to see in that game and like all the different obstacles in that game i think makes for more compelling viewing but as far as compelling playing goes i feel like pac-man um is the more accessible game the more intuitive game i agree and it's uh it, it still has uh those moments of surprise and with the whole like taking into account the ghosts, like not just like quick thinking uh, and figuring out like which corridor to duck under, but also like taking into account, like being spatially aware of where the ghosts are and aware, being aware of their movements. Um, Yeah. um, Something you mentioned earlier is there's a lot of more moment to moment uh, decisions that you have to make in Pac-Man. I think what you've just described exemplifies that is like, even though, you know, you might see Pinky way off in, in, in the opposite corner of the board. That just makes you think more about, okay, so where are the other three ghosts? Mm-hmm. And how am I going to have to adjust my gameplay according to that? Donkey Kong's, uh, Donkey Kong's a little bit slower, a little bit more long-term. Not yeah. that much longer, but you, you, you do see the barrels coming down and know exactly what's coming. With Pac-Man, you might not necessarily know exactly what's coming because... They are predetermined behaviors, but they still sort of cater to your gameplay, to your their dynamic. Um, that's that's what I really sold on in terms of Pac-Man's gameplay is that it yeah. feels very dynamic, mm-hmm. and Donkey Kong feels a bit random sometimes. Yeah, a and, bit random, and I feel a bit more linear too. Yeah, I mean linearity. That's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But when it's like when it's like pretty much the same experience, frustrating experience <laughs> that any other person would have. Yeah. Um, it's not, it doesn't make for really compelling gameplay. Yeah. And, and really, you know, kind of, I kind of want to walk back on my earlier point. Sure. Of Donkey Kong be more fun to watch, but like, cause with Pac-Man you have the random elements, but then there's also just looking at like how players decide to move about the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they make you choose to use like the power pellet at just the right moment and right. when to duck into the, 
the weird warp area to go to the other side of the board or Mm -hmm. how to choose one plot going towards one plot of dots over another. Those kind of decisions, I feel would make for more compelling gameplay. They're more earth-shattering than the decision to take a ladder or to jump over a barrel, Yeah, <laughs> I think. And what's what's interesting, we we've really been emphasizing audience experience with these with these two games especially, I think. And what I think is interesting about Pac-Man is you might not necessarily as an audience member who's never seen the game before know what's going on right away cuz it mm-hmm. it's an abstract game, but you figure it out very quickly. And mm-hmm. that's what's really satisfying about Pac-Man is the fact that mastery feels just inches away. Donkey Kong, on the other hand, that kind of makes you feel a little hopeless sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's not necessarily fun for an audience member. As cool as it is to see somebody play a game very skillfully, there's something very compelling about watching a game and saying, I would have done this a little bit differently and yeah, maybe I would have done uh-huh. better. That's cool. I Yeah. That's, I, I love those moments and watching that. Yeah. yeah. And watching gameplay. Yeah. Right. And in, in an era we're we're living in an era of watching a lot of gameplay and not necessarily mm-hmm. engaging with said gameplay, um, with let's plays and other various YouTube video game culture going on. To have that element that drives you to try the game is absolutely critical. Yeah. <laughs> I th- I think that's what put puts Pac-Man just maybe one rung above Donkey Kong for me. Yeah. It's it really is a game for everybody. Yeah. Anybody can enjoy it. It doesn't discriminate. Yeah. Where D- Donkey Kong is very much a boys game. Sure. It's got a a very a very male protagonist, a very male very masculine toxically masculine problem <laughs> yeah it's it that uh, it's, it's and it's, it's hard goal it's goal is meant to appeal to to men and boys to be like hey go save the princess go save the lady whereas pac-man is just like get that high score man yeah go for it that's i i think that sort of universal appeal is what sets pac-man uh, apart for me so oh man jack do we have a winner here I'm thinking that Pac-Man... The high scorcerer? Yes. <laughs> awesome. Eats that power pellet, gobbles Donkey Kong up right away. Yep. No question. Pac-Man, greatest classic arcade game of all time, at least according to this bracket <laughs> and how things <laughs> shook out. Yeah, I, I, I'm i glad we could have this discussion because I really want to see... Uh, barcades and arcades take off again. I think it's such a unique experience to go out and play games with people in this way. And I'm really happy to see some places, not only in our town, but uh, across the country, really, really taking off. So, yeah, Pac-Man, I, I think I kind of do have an urge to go play some right now. Should be a good time. But Yeah, I'll probably pull out my phone after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thanks again for everybody for listening. Pac-Man is the high scorcerer. If you have any ideas for the next episode of Who You Got, feel free to contact us via any of the Zima podcasting social medias. With any of your ideas, we'd be happy to we'd be happy to take them into consideration. So, Jack, is there anything further you'd like to add or plug before you before we sign All off right, here? So, um, if you would like to read some of my lovely work. Um, 
you can go to heavy.com slash games. I'm, these days, I'm working the Pokemon Go beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything Pokemon Go, uh, any tips you want, you can look right over there. Um, otherwise, you can check out Urban Milwaukee, uh, just urbanmilwaukee.com. I'll have, I usually do photo galleries for all the different uh, festivals and events around the Milwaukee area. Um, so you can check that out, too. Awesome. Thanks, Jack, again for being on. Really appreciate your time. Always a good time to be talking games with you. So thanks again. This has been Who You Got. I'm Dayton Hammond. And I'm Jack. We'll see you next time.